Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal yes. friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. This will be number eight for us. I am Chickity Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is we our uh, weekly examination of all things metal. Yes, it's what we do. And uh, hopefully you are in for the ride because uh, you are subscribed on iTunes and you are ready to go, right? Right? Hell yeah! I, I hope so. All you got to do is go to iTunes, search Metal Sucks. You can find this. Or weekly, it goes up every Monday and you can uh, listen to us jam out and talk about uh, talk about all things uh, metal every monday it's a good time however you listen is cool by us as long as you're listening that's right man and uh, and comment because we don't read them so it's gonna be great <laughs> we love your inputs that that we don't look at it's okay we got plenty of input man the the, the metal sucks dudes are, are all about it now we, we actually i was thinking about it this week we need to talk more to Vince and Axel because a lot of people are talking about that's the one thing that we hear. It's like, well, we want to hear from Vince and Axel more. And I kept thinking about it too. You know, when we talked to them uh, in the first inaugural episode, we talked to them about us. We need to talk to yeah. them about them. I want to find out, I want to pick the brains of the masterminds of MetalSucks.net because I've been a reader for a long time. And I'm kind of interested in some of that, as you know. So we need to see if we can make them cry. Like go, dude. Like, you know, like, go so all I'm Barbara Walters on them. You know. Yeah, because I'm down here. I was thinking about them because I'm down here in the Yucatan, in Mexico, and like everything down here is like a third to a fifth of the price that you would pay up in the U.S. And you know, even though they talk about having the Metal Sucks Mansion, you know that they're still living with their mom <laughs> in the basement somewhere in the northeast or something and and i'm saying these guys ought to just come down to mexico man down there you, you, can, for for like a hundred bucks you can have a three-story home right well your mom could have a three-story room <laughs> <laughs> it'll be and they can run the website from the third floor or something yeah awesome yeah i like that idea dude no i'm i was thinking though we need to we we definitely need to get them on here uh pretty pretty soon we got axel on this week uh interviewing luke lemay coming up on the show so that's going to be pretty cool luke lemay of course of Gorguts fame I who hasn't like your performance i was not impressed I, I just i don't think that um anybody's talked to luke lemay in uh, 10 years and he had a lot to say, so we're going to actually split it up into two parts because uh, he talked to him for like almost an hour. So uh, we're going to play the first part uh, during this show, and then we're going to get the second part next week, I think, uh, because you know there's some natural stuff where they talk about. Uh, well, we'll, you, we'll let you listen to it here in a little bit, but uh, some this week, some it's been kind of a slow week. It's summertime. It was Fourth uh, of July this past week. I know you know since you're in Mexico, uh, Godless, you you didn't really get a chance to celebrate uh, the Fourth of July. So nah, I watched uh, telenovelas on TV, man. Awesome, awesome. Hey, dude, that's the that's the best thing. Uh, busty Latinas. Yeah, I look at that <laughs> website all the time, every day, every day. You know, it's amazing. They got a, like their big thing down here are like street performers. So like they they love to have uh, the people in the stilts. And you would think that that would be a skill you really be difficult to develop, but the the chicks down here, their heels are so high. Same thing. That 
that it's pretty much the same thing. That's the training for stilts, man. Nice, nice. Well, this week the the big news. I guess there really wasn't like huge, huge news. Uh, Lemmy killed Mister. Of course, they had to cancel their European tour. Uh, so get well, Lemmy. Uh, the, it sucks that he's still sick. I'm still working on trying to get him on the show. I wanted to, I, I've got to find his phone number. I got it somewhere in a black book. Got to do it. Might have, it might might mean to do it. Like when they say, "Hey, man, he's available Monday or Friday." You go Monday, Monday, Monday. Because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen before Friday. Hey, be careful, man. We almost killed Nelson Mandela already. So <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I think I sent out like a Facebook post announcing that he was dead, and then I woke up the next morning and realized, "Hey, no, Nelson Mandela is still kicking." I know. As soon as after that show we posted it, I, I looked at the. I got an email going, or I got a news blast going, Nelson Mandela. A critical condition. I'm like, oh crap, we killed him. We totally yeah. killed him. What did we do? <laughs> oh man. So we've got to be careful who we talk about. I mean, we really do, man. You know, the thing about like somebody who gets sick and it's like, you know, and then they have like their last like week or two and everybody afterwards is like, oh man, that was like, that th- those last two weeks with so-and-so were a gift. You know, I got to say goodbyes, say I love yous, all that stuff. I feel like with Lemmy, like the last three decades have been a gift. You know what I mean? Hey man, you know, it's worth it though. Uh, he still put, actually put out some decent music and stuff. Tell oh, so. absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, he, it feels like he's living on borrowed time. It's like, that deal with the devil is going to come due at some point, but the guy is such a, I don't know. I think, I feel like he could live to be 195 years old. You know, I thought he was 195 years old. <laughs> I don't know. See, we don't know if he, if he would, <laughs> totally. just, if he would just write a memoir like Randy Blythe is going to do, we would know all this stuff for sure. So, I mean, after seeing that documentary about him, who does, who, like what charity is Lemmy leaving all his money to? I, I don't, I, I can't figure it out. Like, he must have it piled away in a mattress in the Jack Daniels. Apartment. It's going to be Jack Daniels. That's who, that's who gets it. It's going to be all used pinball machine parts, and uh, that's about it. So, yeah. I don't know, man. But uh, I think we, we were talking about the Randy Blythe memoir thing uh, before we got to going. And, uh, you know, Lemmy is one of those dudes. Is there actually a book out about Lemmy? Is there an autobiography? Or I, I, I was looking it up. I couldn't really find anything. Well, you should know, like everybody else, I mean, Motorhead has not a single fan who has ever read a, a book. So <laughs> there's really not uh, a reason for a Motorhead book. The, uh, the, the chart is jean jackets do reading, and uh, with, when the jean jackets go up, the reading goes down. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, uh, like per that. band? Is that how that works? Yeah, something like that. But, I mean... <laughs> We got it it's in like video form for sure. I mean, that was the whole yeah. uh, Lemmy, the documentary. I mean, that we definitely got the video form of that. But would it be worthwhile for somebody like Lemmy to put out a book? Uh, I think people would read it. I, uh, I'd, I'd read it. I want to know. But do you really think like one day to the next is that different for Lemmy? You know what I mean? Well, he's kind of a normal dude. I mean, that's the thing is that it, it, from what yeah. you see, what you saw in the documentary – you pretty much see that he likes to go and he likes to smoke his cigarettes and drink his Jack and, you know, play some video games and, and just kind of do his thing. Yeah. And he spends eight hours at the bar playing the same, whatever that like Kino game or whatever it is, that, you know, that, uh, that they, they have at the bars and, and that's all he does. But a dude like, I, I, I mean, a dude like Randy Blythe though, you know, he's putting out his memoir because yeah, okay. He spent some time in jail and, uh, and allegedly, or actually he's been acquitted of murder. So I mean, he didn't actually murder anybody. But, but I mean, he's getting this and he's what, maybe still in his 30s, early 40s or something like that. You know, he's lived quite the life, I guess. But Lemmy, 
think about the stories that that dude can tell about the seventies and the eighties. I mean, he's got, he's got a plethora of stuff in his brain that, that nobody, no other man in this world will ever see none. No, no like Tommy Lee, not even close. This is Lemmy, with, man. I'll agree with you that like nobody else has seen the sort of things that Lemmy has seen, but I totally disagree with you. I don't think that Lemmy can remember any of it. Ah, that was the, I was reading an article actually about that because I was looking up some stuff about uh, memoirs and they said that was the toughest thing about rock and roll dudes writing their memoirs was a lot of them can't remember the details about anything. <laughs> no way. So they couldn't remember what city they were in. They couldn't remember this. They just remember the blowjob and that's all they remember. You know, so it's like really <laughs> Well, well, that's the fun part. Some of those they don't even remember who gave it to him. No. I remember no, was no, it no. Peter Chris of Kiss? Like it might have been Ace Fraley who gave it to him. He doesn't remember that clearly. <laughs> and so everybody's just hanging out in a pile. You have no yeah, idea so, what's going to happen. I don't think Randy Blythe. Yeah, I don't think Randy Blythe's memoir is going to be that that risque, unless there is some really interesting you know prison action going on at the same during that whole ordeal. And I don't think that was happening. Well, Randy's already proved himself to be a very articulate gentleman. Well, that you know? goes without Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. He's a very thoughtful dude, and he writes really well, and he writes good lyrics. But, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely a thinker. So I get that. But I'm talking about uh, interesting story. I don't know. You know, you know it, could, it could be just blah. Like, it could be, but the inside of a Czech prison could be really interesting. I mean, imagine the people that he saw and met in there. You know, that's what I mean? true. That's very true. It's like it's like the Dark Knight Rises or something. It's a big hole in the ground where a bunch of bunch of dudes. You say if you climb the walls, you can get out. Yeah, yeah. If you and, can and escape, you, know, you you are free. And, and you know, if you can just imagine being locked into a little cell for how many weeks was he in? Like for a few. Wasn't he was in there like, for months, right? Like three, four yeah, months. It was like, like two, three months, something like that. But you know, like you get out and you still are relatively sane. How in the world does that happen? Because I mean, for me, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. Uh, it, well, and to know that all these people on the outside are are working for you and then getting no response. Uh, from right. something I, like the U.S. government, there's a, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people want to know about. But I mean, memoir wise, though, is this just a thing about? Is this going to be about the incident? Why hey, this could be a lifetime movie for all we know. <laughs> Man, I get claustrophobic just staring at a bus map. So, <laughs> uh, good times, good times. <laughs> and then uh, what else? Oh, what else did I read this week? Uh, Maiden, Iron Maiden, the Iron Maiden beer thing, dude. Uh, talk about talk about a brand. I love I love me some Iron Maiden. I mean, I really do. I just got my don't don't mock me, but I just got my fanzine uh, from my fan club. I just got my uh, my my quarterly fanzine in the mail, which is awesome, by the way. Close up color photos and stuff, and details from one fan's experience backstage where he got to meet you know Bruce Dickinson. Oh my God, it's the best I've ever. Uh, anyway. They make fanzines still, <laughs> dude. They totally Nobody make fans. I'm gonna the internet, dude. When you get when you get back, I'm going to show you this fanzine. It is, oh my god, yeah, it's great, dude. This is this is where my money for my for, for my fan club went. It's like, oh, I'm gonna have to like disappointed in myself. I'm gonna ride the trolley to your house <laughs> to look at a fanzine. I mean, <laughs> what year is this? But the thing is, is that if it's got Iron Maiden on it, anybody will buy it. Says the one million pints of Trooper beer that have been sold. You believe Man, that every- one million pints of beer, a uh, Trooper beer, have been sold now? That means that every metal fan in Europe bought a pint, except Paul Deanna. <laughs> 
It's nice. Nice. That's great. I, he might have just seen what it tasted like so he could taste a little bit of fame. That's all. <laughs> you know, with, the, with, the, with it selling that fast, I wonder if they might start thinking about U.S. distribution. You know, what Actually, I, mean? I think they are. I think they're finally thinking about U.S. distro because, I mean, they're six – according to their, their brewer – I think they're six months ahead of schedule. Like they didn't think they were going to hit this mark until six months from now, which is insane. They they equated it was like twenty thousand pints uh, per day or something like that. I think something oh, just stupid. So yeah, it's um, a trooper beer. They can sell anything. I man, if it's iron, if it's got Iron Maiden on it, or if it's got Eddie on it. People will buy it. I mean, I forgot what it was when I was in the comic book store. Some like little figurine or whatever. I I almost spent ten bucks on this stupid thing, just because it was Iron Maiden. And they, know, they were smart about it right from day one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. They got a mascot and they then they went with it. You know. Hell yeah! And if you're a new band, get a freaking mascot. Put up with your friends making fun of you, and start making plans for how you merch that bitch out. But it's got to be good though, because if it's the Megadeth, of what's it's got to be what, good. What's the Megadeth one? Or what's what's his name? I don't remember, but I can't they have a merch. But yeah. he's a good one. That's good. He's a yeah, mascot. He's, he's good, but uh, I don't know. I just never got into it. You know, or do you need it? Uh, but the brand, I think the brand that they have from top to bottom is just perfect. They've they've been able to do the whole uh, the whole uh, British flag thing. They've been able to really really roll it in, and then the Eddie stuff and the artwork that goes along with it. It's just kind of just the, a unified just the logo. look. Yeah, and yeah. the and the and the logo. And you know when you got Miley Cyrus wearing a wearing a Eddie T-shirt, you can't go wrong. Well, <laughs> the rest of us could. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe you go a, a little wrong, man. Well, on the rest of the show, we're going to give you a couple of new songs. We're going to give you something, of course, from the brand new Gorguts. That's going to be coming up. I got something off the brand new Autopsy, and we're going to play one of the worst records ever. And I haven't decided what it is. Why? Because we're going to talk about uh, the needlessly shat on bracket. From Metal Sucks that just got posted on Friday or, or last week sometime. It's, it's all the bands that um, that people talk smack about going head to head, whether or not they need to be talk smack about it. We're gonna make we're I, I want to talk about this topic because there are so many different angles on it. That's gonna be coming up here at the, toward the end of the show. But first, we got to get into this interview that Axel did with Luke Lemay of uh, Gorguts, which. By the way, is um, is pretty awesome. I totally did not expect Luke LeMay to sound the way he sounds. When you think about the way a death metal legend is going to sound, what do you think? No, oh, uh, it's going to be. I don't know. We're going to talk something brutal. I mean, I, when yes. I interviewed John Gallagher from De- Dying Fetus, he sounded like exactly what I thought it would sound like. You know, he's a ball. Right. He's just a shaved head, and he's just kind of he's just there. He's just got, he's kind of quiet and does his thing. But this is one of the most shocking. I never, I never would have imagined that that Luke LeMay sounded like this. Never See, in, in my life I, would have imagined it. I, when I saw, I mean, I haven't seen Gorguts in twenty years, but when I saw them in concert on the Considered Dead tour with Creator and uh, uh, Biohazard, I think it was, I saw them two or three times on that tour, and they, uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember him talking between songs. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't remember him going and then going. Hey everybody! It's so glad you're here. So glad you came. He's not, my, he like. he's not Michael Jackson, man. Uh, you know it's close enough. <laughs> so that's coming up next on the Metal Sucks podcast. Well, 
very happy to speak with you because uh, for a long time I've been going on your site like every day, you know, so I'm very, uh, I'm happy doing an interview with you, you know, and uh, I wanted to thank you for everything that you guys been doing for the band, even if we weren't been releasing anything for a couple years, you've been always talking about the band and stuff, so uh, I'm very happy about this, so I wanted to tell you, uh, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I can't tell you how much that means to us. We're we're huge Gorguts fans. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, where are you calling from? Are you in Quebec right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm home. Yeah. Uh, did you grow up there, or do you just? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, actually. Uh, I'm. I lived in Montreal for six years between uh, 1995 till t- uh, 2001, and then I came back in the Eastern Township, which is about. Uh, I'm about over an hour and a half from Montreal, but in the towards uh, the uh, south, you know, going towards Maine and Vermont, you know. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a very in a small town close to here called uh, Danville. And uh, it's a small village, you know. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I've been back here for about 12 years now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Danville? Was there any kind of scene there? Nothing. No, 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 not at all. I mean, it's a dude. I mean, if there's, I don't know, maybe two, three thousand people living there. So how did you get into metal originally? Oh, I always liked my metal, you know, growing uh, growing up. You know, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, and, uh, and then... Uh, at some point, a friend of mine made me listen to the first Bathory, and then going to school, I met another guy, you know, that we became very good friends, which uh, which is connected to the first Gorgots lineup in a way. But anyway, we met in grade uh, seven, uh-huh. you know, for first year of high school, and uh, he was playing guitar, you know, and he he was more, you know, into uh, you know Metallica and heavier stuff, you know. So we were sharing a lot of music together. Uh, we we discovered Ring and Blood together, you know. So and then we got more into the Celtic Frost, Possessed, and uh, Hellhammer. So that's how the music uh, got together, you know, through those people. And actually, him he formed a band with uh, Stefan and Steve Cloutier, which played on Obscure and from Wisdom, but they had a little band together, and I've always wanted to join, you know, I started playing guitar because I saw him playing guitar, uh-huh. and, uh, but I, I was never able to join their band, they said, oh no, we'll stay a three-piece, I was like uh, the annoying one or something, <laughs> which wanted playing with them so bad, you know, and... Uh, Every, and after that, it's history, you know. They did a demo, and Stefan, the drummer, they kicked him out of the band. And me, I was jamming with a few guys, which formed a band with Big Steve after. These guys went to play with Big Steve, and me, I joined with Stefan, the drummer, that was playing with this high school friend, which, which is named Frank, you know. And uh, we formed Gorguts together. And we did a demo like a year after, and uh, after that, then we we got signed to Roadrunner right away, you know. So, uh, and then it's history, you know. You know the right. How long <laughs> had you been playing guitar at that point? Oh, uh, not much, because I started at my third year of high school. Uh-huh. So, and I formed Gorguts right after high school. Uh, after, because uh, you guys call it grade here, it's we call it a secondary school kind of sorta, right. you know. Right. So it it was the fifth year of high school, and then uh, I finished high school at the beginning of summer '89, and I formed Gorguts in August '89, and we got a record deal a year after. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because we did. Uh, we wrote our first songs. I had a few compositions, and uh, we because we played a few covers, you know, to so we can get used to playing with each other. But right away, we got into composition, you know. Uh, so I never learned much cover songs, you know. We were playing a Mandatory Suicide. We were uh-huh. playing a song from Obituary. We were playing Pull the Plug, uh, a song from Crumb Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Which, because Stefan was a big, uh, more uh, hardcore. We can say it's hardcore. Yeah, it's hardcore, yeah, yeah, yeah. hardcore music. Anyway, we were playing the song "You're Ugly, But I Love You" or something like that. You remember that song from uh, uh, what was that record? Uh, anyway, it's a cartoon on the cover. You know, you see those uh, little character uh, acting like uh, they're vacuums. You know, whatever. So anyway, <laughs> we were <laughs> we were playing a song from that, and uh, what else were we playing? Uh, we were playing uh, Beneath the Remains uh-huh. and uh, Chapel of Ghouls. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then right away, we uh, we started writing, uh, like, the first composition we did together. I think it was a Mathological Allergy, which made it on the first record, you know. And uh, after that, we... Uh, so, we- how the hell did you get so good so quickly? I've been playing for 15 years, and I can't play the stuff you play. <laughs> but uh, me, I can't play my old stuff anymore. You know, if I, I if I, dude, when when I re- reformed the band and uh, I had to relearn like uh, Orphans of Sickness and all those things, I'm like, dude, those are riffs of an early 20 guitar player which practiced like fucking 12 hours a day you know but now it's different <laughs> um, but no but i was really passionate and very curious about it and uh, i was very curious about um, metal composition you know uh, and i got a, a re- but i've never been much intricate about uh, and interested about being a shredder you know maybe like obs could be a death metal shredder or rutan they are a great lead player me right Never got much. Uh, my best leads were on erosion. That's I think that's the most technical I got. You know, that um, that, that that that's that record. I think technically that's that's what is my my, my peak. You know, as a t- technical player, so to speak. You know, it's interesting but, to hear you say that because you know you guys are considered very technical, obviously. Yeah, but it's maybe uh, now technicality could be in the composition and the way to arrange uh, musical ideas together because you can be technical in song structure by having very untechnical riffs to play. You, you understand? So maybe that's the... But I, I can understand because it's weird, people, and it sounds awkward. Right away, people, it's technical. But technically on guitar, the new stuff, it's not this difficult to play it's more in the arrangement as a whole you know uh, i think that's how i see it now because uh most i mean the 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 other day kevin and i were were saying you know uh, i was telling him about um you know this first single we have uh, forgotten arrows uh-huh. th- th- this is colin's song and i was telling him you know how and i will i always pull pull his leg with it hey, yeah you youngsters with your technical riffs you know i'm an old uh, i'm i'm an old guy now you know you don't you don't bring technical riffs to an old man now anymore and uh, you know we're just pulling each other's leg like this you know and i was telling him how i'm uh, it's difficult for me to play technical music like this and kevin's like dude your riffs are technical i was like get out and we had this it was fun you know we just uh, <laughs> so goes, i'm sorry yeah, go on no, no, I, 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 no, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, because these guys can fucking play technical. <laughs> you go, you, you see this Ritnia play, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, 
this is technical to me. Yeah. <laughs> and John too, I bet. Oh, of course, of course. But but what what he does in Gorgots, it's very far from what he does in uh, in Origin. It's very different, you know. How so? Because, uh, excuse me. How so? Because the Gorgots record, it's not flying drum all the time like Origin. It's like he's fucking flying, you know, and uh, blast beating. But the, uh, have you heard the whole record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, was so, just listening to it when you called, actually. Ah, okay, okay. So, but uh, did you get a chance to listen to it a few times? Yeah, this is like the third or fourth time I've listened to it. Ah, okay. So you see, it's not nonstop blast beat all the time. It's right. different from what he... So it's very interesting to hear him play... Uh, this way, I'm not. I'm not saying that Origin is not interesting, but it's a different musical language. It's a different aesthetic than what we do in Gorgots, you know. So, uh, but he's not like. It's not nonstop blast beat all the time, you know. We have maybe three songs with a lot of blast beat. Other than that, it's ambient. It's more ambient music. Right. Um, so if we can double back for one second, sorry. Did you say? Excuse me. If we can double back for one second. Mm-hmm. Um, did you say that Colin wrote uh, the single? Mm-hmm. So I think there's this. Uh, I guess it's a misconception that like, you know, you write all of Gore Guts's music and then everybody else shows up and does what they're told. But it sounds like you're saying that's not the case. Uh, it's in some way it is, but I'm very. I mean, as much as uh, as I'm the band leader and I'm very very tight for uh, artistic direction i know what i want but those guys they they knew what the gorgots artistic um, how can i say that aesthetic was before so when they sit down to write music for the band they write gorgots riff in their own way you understand yeah yeah so what i'm saying is that uh, at first i i, I didn't want I, I wanted to write the whole record by myself and at some point, uh, Collins uh, sent me a song and he said, hey, uh, here's a song I wrote, you know, so, I mean, uh, you're, you're welcome, you know, to put it on the record if you want. And if not, no, no problem. I totally understand because not that I wanted to do, I have to do everything and I, I had to, I have to decide everything. It's, it's not that. It was just the, that I, um, from Wisdom and Obscura were more collective writing, you know, Big Steve was writing a lot, Steve bass player was writing a lot and but i wanted to get back into you know having a vision and writing uh, everything uh, myself and then anyway that's the way we did it i for the song that i wrote i was writing the music here uh, mm-hmm. doing music uh, partitions uh, m- m- music sheets. Right. I was m- then I would scan those partitions uh, to make a PDF document, and I would send a very modest uh, MP3 with the whole song written with my riffs. And first thing I knew, uh, Kevin would write me back with, with his guitar parts o- overlaid uh, on on the music that I wrote, you know. And and Colin would write all the bass part and do that maybe ninety, let's say ninety five percent of Everything that they wrote and I wrote stayed the same. We just tweaked a little thing here, a little thing there, being together as a band to 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 uh, to make it sharper here and there, you know. But uh, that's the way we did it. And on the record, there's uh, including the orchestral. There's nine songs, and I wrote seven out of them because I was so happy about the chemistry and you know they're amazing musician and the amazing people. So at some point, I said. 
you know, uh, it, it's great if I share some floor space with you guys uh, on, on the writing uh, department. So, uh, uh, as a, as a sign of uh, of welcoming, you know, in the chemistry and everything, uh, uh, they they each wrote a song. Kevin wrote Absconders, the the song before last, the very slow song, mm-hmm. and, and Colin wrote uh, Forgotten Arrows, which is the the first single that uh, that's been released. But uh, everything else is, uh, but you know, that's what I find it funny. P- people don't know because they don't have the credit and everything in front of them. They say, right. "Oh, Luke, Luke wrote this and that," you know. So I, uh, they just don't know it's Colin that wrote the song. I mean, now they will know because I'm telling you. But the. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think also, you know, there's just you've been the only consistent in Gore Guts for all this time, so people just kind of assume, of, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that you're you're the boss. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's my project in a way because uh, how can I say that? Let's say you're a writer and you write a book, uh-huh. okay? You're, are you gonna allow the three people to write a chapter in your story? You have your vision, you do your thing, you know. So that's how I saw it at the beginning for the record. But I, uh, at some point, I said, fine. I mean, uh, my uh, my vision was more them to contribute as arrangements. You know, being in the band to write their own voice. I'm not going to dictate, okay, the bass line is going to be like this. I'm not a bass player. And Colin, been an amazing composer, amazing player. Same thing with, with, uh, with Kevin, string, string playing wise. I mean, uh, that's why I chose them too, because I love the, their aesthetic and the way they express themselves as artists, uh, writing music themselves, you know. So that's why it's very interesting to see what they're going to come up to. Uh, it's always a surprise, you know. You write a song home. And then, oh, you got an email from the boys, so I'm going to open it and listen to the song, how it became with another layer on it, you know. So it was very, very fun for that part, you know. <laughs> That's interesting. How did you hook mm-hmm. up with those guys in the first place? Oh, uh, the story is that uh, when I was in Negativa, one, uh, one Friday night after a jam, you know, Big Steve and I went in town in Montreal to have some, you know, a little snack, and we were chatting, you know, and he said, Luke, and that was in 2007, and he said, uh, 2007, 2008, something like that, 2007, I think, and he goes like, uh, Luke, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in two years, it's going to be Gorgot's 20th anniversary, and I, I said, uh, yeah, that's right. Because me, you know, I've been done with the band for a long time. Even before playing with Big Steve, I, I was like three, four years without playing at all. I was done with music pretty much. You know, I, I was more into woodworking and I wanted to explore different things, you know, work uh-huh. more more working with my hands. And, uh, you know, I always like that, you know, build stuff and everything. But now that I have a workshop, you know, uh, you know, I was very happy with what I accomplished with the band, you know, the records, Obscura, From Wisdom, and uh, even the first two. So I didn't have any bitterness from music, you know. I had a dream about playing death metal and, and making records, and I, and I fulfilled that, you know, for me as uh, artistically. So I wanted to explore more working with my hands and, you know, building furniture. I was getting very much into carving and everything. So when, when when Big Steve called me to join Negativa, I was like, "Dude, uh, I want I want to uh, sure uh, we can play together, but it's not my it's not my band. It's your band. I'm, I I don't I don't really want to sing. I just want to do my arrangements, you know, like like the boys are doing in in Gorgots now, like Kevin and Colin are doing string wise, you know. So so he said fine, and so and then. 
that's by playing again and him telling me about the 20th anniversary of Gorkats and he goes like, uh, Luke, you should write a record again, you know, that I'm sure the fans would love this and uh, since you start playing again, I said, dude, that's a great idea, you know, but I never thought about that, I swear to God. I said, dude, that's a great idea and, uh, and, 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 and right away I knew it would be Colin to play bass because uh, uh, Steve introduced me to, uh, uh, to uh, be all the octopus and I was like, oh, uh, this is very creative, very intricate, you know, so that would really spark me up to, to do composition with a musician like Colin, you know. And I briefly met him because he came to the Negativa EP release show in Montreal and we briefly met there. And John was writing to me maybe once a year, just say hi like this, you know. But we never knew each other before playing, actually playing together. He, he would just drop me a, a quick email, say, hi, how you doing? And uh, if you ever consider to jam uh, one day, you know, uh, I'll be glad to do it. And uh, and even that was maybe in 2003, 2004. And I, I would tell him, dude, I'm done with the band. You know, I'm not going to jam anymore and this and that. So, and in the meantime, uh, Big Steve uh, let, let me hear uh, Knives of Ice from Denmark. And me, mm-hmm. I've always been a, a Ripping Corpse fan from back in the days, you know. And uh, I was like, holy fucking shit, this drumming is amazing, you know. And then I, I find out it was John playing on that record. And I, then I, I, in my head, I did the one plus one. And I know the guy. He writes me every now and then. So I said, oh, that would be great to have him on drums. And, uh, and, and Big Steve, at first, he asked me to be part of the band to write a new record. And I said, nah, dude, I'm not sure. We already do the Negativa together, and we wrote Obscura together. So I want to, I want to, I want to explore something new with a new chemistry, you know, to 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 see what it's going to do, and to to uh, to create something with different people as well. Not that it was boring to play with him, but it was. Uh, it, let's say you're a movie maker, you know. Sometimes you do films with always the same actors, but it's fun to try different actors, you know. Right. And uh, so, uh, in a way, that's what I wanted to to see you know to have it with a different musical speech and musical aesthetic you know by having those players and then he goes like he he was disappointed at first but he understood you know and then he said dude there's this guy you really need to see play and he was talking about Kevin and he said dude when we're gonna go home after this snack you know I'm gonna show you a couple videos on YouTube and then he showed me some dysrhythmia uh, live uh, footage Uh And uh, my jaw dropped on the floor right away. I said, <laughs> he's the one. Because he had like this piggy-ish style, you know, real, weird cording. And also, he's got a band with Colin. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why not, you know? I mean, it, it, we have half of the equation right, right there, you know. And they know each other. They know how to play with each other. They get along well. And so it was just, dude, it's like it was meant to happen with those people. You know, it's uh, and it was so smooth sailing, very easy, very. So I, I drop an email to everybody, and uh, first thing I knew, a couple of days later, everybody said yes right away. And then, uh, then I jammed with John one on one, and after when we got like three songs with guitar and drums together, then we both went at Collins and we jam as a four piece, uh, and we got like three songs, pre production and jam in in one weekend. And these songs haven't changed uh, up to the record. I mean, so it was wow. good chemistry right away, you know. Uh, so, and they each have good uh, composition experience, and it's. Uh, but it, dude, it's it, it's so much fun, you know, to play with people that you really admire as artists. 
I mean, it's 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 can be more stimulated than that. You understand? It's uh, it's just great, and you, we don't get to see each other very often, so it's always like we are on a high when we see each other. Hey, great, you know, and it's uh, it's good times, you know.
Your song in there from Autopsy right there. Mango from Below is the song. The new CD is called uh, The Headless Ritual. And I think you will be uh, be entertained by that for sure. It's uh, it's really a good album. Uh, would not be placed in this uh, Metal Sucks Needlessly Shat Upon Bracket anywhere. I did not see their logo on this thing whatsoever. Yeah, they dodged that bullet. I don't think anybody's really ever talked any smack about Autopsy. Actually, people just... Autopsy does what they do. Yeah, They're, and they... And they and they, I uh, do it with a certain amount of uh, self awareness, and I think that that's like one of those things that is, seems to be missing from a lot of these bands. So if you didn't, if you don't know what we're talking about, the metal sucks. Uh, most needlessly shat upon reader bracket is up now, and you can act, it's going to begin uh, this week. And I think it's I don't know if they're going to break it down by entire bracket like the the quads that they've got going on here, or if it's going to be 
race by race by race by race, each one of these that's going to be on the bracket. I sort of want to fill this out and see how we can do. Maybe we can play some bets on this. Do you think we should uh, like fill these things out in their entirety and, and go for it? Yeah, I mean that's the way to do it. You know, I'm not I'm not doing my NCAA stuff till football, so I you know might as well might as well do this now. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting idea. Maybe I should print this out and do that and start to start actually filling this thing out though. But you, yeah, you, but it's funny. Like I'm looking at the list and it's like, uh, you know, with some of the bands, it's like, wow, do they deserve what they've got? I mean, I know that's why the whole question is, but it, it's sort of like. Um, I don't know how to put it exactly, but you know some of these bands they do like you said with autopsy they do what they do and and they're they have an awareness of it and yet people still get on their case about it and uh, you know it seems to me like they should have a pretty good path right to the finals you know who autopsy. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm saying other bands. Some of these oh, other bands. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, you're losing me. Sorry. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, not that they're surprised that they're, you know, I'm not surprised that they're on the list necessarily, but that. No, I think there's actually uh, quite a few surprises sort of, on here. There, I, I think there's a, there's a few on here that I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know why they put that one on. But I think that's the discussion that's going to be. Uh, be at the heart of a lot of these uh, at, at a lot of these here you know do they deserve to be on the list or do you know do we deserve to be I mean I guess we're trying to figure out do you should we be criticizing any of these bands at all but I, I think right. if you put something out and it's art and it's whatever uh, you need to be criticized that's part of the deal you put it out there and you are going to be criticized for it the question that it's just like the podcast, you know, a lot of people think we are terrible at this podcast. I think we're terrible. No, I, I actually think we're halfway decent, but it, it's, it's a matter of judgment and you put your stuff out there so that it can be judged. And if you don't want it to be judged, then you don't ever put it out. So well, this is the, this is the greatest extreme metal talk show of all time. That is true. But, but you get what I'm saying. There's our mistakes, you know, and, and we should forget the bands. That's the way I look at it. You know, they make a mistake. Okay, I'm going to hold it over your head for the rest of the time. That'll be good. Makes me feel a little bit better when you charge too much to for the concert. You know. But do you think it's a matter of uh, what they do at the show, or what they do on album, or if it's because that's what what I was when I'm going through this list and I started looking at them and I see bands like Metallica, I see bands like Megadeth, I see bands like Ozzy, I see bands like. Uh, you know, the suicide silence at Oceano. I see a lot of reason that, that people would pick these bands because they have a lot of controversy surrounding them. It may not be musically though, you know, Metallica. Yes. It's probably got a lot to do with music, but it's also the band members and what they do and what they say outside of it. Megadeth is probably the same thing. Others totally legit music, but it's all about their members or totally legit members. It's all about their crappy music. So what? Uh, where do we where do we draw the line, or is it just a combination of both? Well, it's sort of like when uh, the singer of Black Dahlia Murder was complaining about how much money they make or whatever. Oh a few yeah, weeks what ago. You, yeah, yeah. It's like he just to- he's missing the point that you know now more than ever one is as the other. You know who you are is about what you do as a musician. People have to buy into who you are. And, and then once they've done that, they will buy into your music for the rest of time, and they'll support it in a very, very, uh, you know, they'll, they'll support it in a, in a big way. You know, it's about trying to find passionate fans, and you're not going to find anybody who's passionate about your music despite the fact that you're a gigantic prick. 
I mean, so say you take a band like Kiss, who's on here, and a lot of people give Kiss crap for music reasons because it's simple. It's uh, you know, it's it's Kiss. It's just straight up rock and roll music. And uh, you know, Gene Simmons has turned out to be kind of a kind of a weird douchey dude sometimes. So, but I think musically their their place in history is solid, and they need to. You've got no reason to pick on them musically. It's more about picking on them outside of it. Yeah, Amir is another example, but Amir being on this bracket, I think it's both. I think it's a combination of him being a douchebag racist, and then also their music being pretty terrible. So I don't know. Is if we're looking at the needlessly part of this, because I think that's the whole key about this is that most needlessly shat upon, then how do we, how do we pick? Is it really the ones? Okay. Megadeth, eh, you don't really need to pick on them because they've got, they've had some really good albums or is it, is it quantity? Is it quality? Is it distance? Is it, uh, or is it just to spark this conversation and have people talk about it? That's kind of the, where I stand on it too. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Some of these bands, uh, they, they they suck so bad they're lucky they get any attention whatsoever. <laughs> right, I know. It's like <laughs> that's the most attention Lip Biscuits got oh, since, since Chocolate Starfish, man. <laughs> well, since last week when we ripped on their album cover. Oh, um, yeah, that's oh, that uh, album cover. Yeah, and some of these bands are obviously so surrounded by sycophants that you know they probably have no clue about the times that they get shat upon and how awesome it would be for them to be sort of. Have awarded, you know. Hey, guess what? You know, you guys are in this uh, contest, and you ought to alert your fans. Uh, that's kind of a cool thing because uh, some of them probably have no idea that they get shat upon at all. You think? I mean, I think that most of them do. Because one of no, the guys, so many of them have no self awareness whatsoever, and that's that's part of what makes it fun about picking on them. Why? Who do you think? Who? I mean, maybe metal. When you get to that Metallica level, maybe where you're shielded from it, but you can't open up a website where somebody's not, la- you know, slagging on Lars or, you know, Megadeth. You can't open up a website that somebody's not talking about, uh, talking smack about Dave Mustaine. I mean, you just can't do it. So I, and how can you not be somewhat aware? I mean, I know a lot of the times they shut down Blabbermouth or they shut down, uh, shut down any media that's coming in. They don't, they just don't want to see it. So they just don't bother with it or don't bother reading comments, but you can't avoid it nowadays when you've got a Facebook page. You just can't, especially some of these younger bands, maybe the older guys, you know, the Rob Zombies of the world may not, may not look at it, but I mean, how could you not want to gauge some of that response and you know so no matter what you're going to have some detractors there's going to be some people that hate you no matter what right you know because you not you you're not making the same right you're not if you're slipknot you're not making iowa so i don't care you suck now i never want to hear you again so you're never going to be able to please you know probably 25 30 percent of your old school fans or whatever is so, that why people are, are put why they're on the list is because people don't like stuff that happened after iowa well i think is that the Music or is it something else? Well, I think that actually it is the music for those guys because uh, their deal is is that they've softened up a whole bunch. You know, they they went really soft in their later albums and started to sound more like Stone Sour, you know, which was Corey Taylor's other project. So I think that's why they get criticism. You know, out in the world, you know, Corey Taylor is a pretty awesome guy. He's like a really nice dude. Clown does some really cool uh, visual art stuff. As a band, they've done some really cool stuff. But I think they get hell because they 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 also sparked the the ignited the flame that is new metal, and that was um, uh, a, a terrible thing. I think with some of these bands, their later stuff sucks so bad. The only reason that 
more people didn't jump off their bandwagon is too many of their fans got tattoos. <laughs> Other logos, you know. I have to like him. I have to like Godsmack because I've got the sun on the at the base of my spine. I have to. Totally. I cannot not like Godsmack. I have to like them. How many times have you seen that sun? They said no, no, it's Allison Chains. No, no, it's it's from the AIC record. No, it's not. I know exactly really, where that came from. I'm really excited to see like some of these like heads up matches. You know what I mean? Especially in this first round, like like. Uh, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm excited to see what happens between Fear Factory and Morbid Angel because, you know, Fear Factory, I think, get shat on because they just keep on doing the same thing. It doesn't even matter who's in the band. They still manage, as long as Burton's singing, they still manage to sound exactly the same as the previous record. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because nobody's nobody's left in the band. It's just Dino and, and Burton. They, they get rid of right. the entire back end. You know, right. Oh well, these are computerized drums well, now. Okay. You know, those guys cares? prove that the, it doesn't matter who's playing those instruments; they, uh, they're I still going to be still sound like Fear Factory. But then you get then, somebody like Morbid Angel who gets everybody back in the band and writes one of the worst records that they've ever even thought of. Exactly. So that's like a big question: like, do you go with the band who hasn't changed at all, or do you go with the band that put out a record that really sucked? But. But you can I don't know I think you can have one bad album or you can have a bad run. Yeah, I don't I, that that doesn't well like, no, that's sort of the point though, isn't it? <laughs> it's like because that's like if you go back to Corn, it's like I liked Corn's first two albums and then they just went to they went to crap after that. You know, it's like well yeah I don't know. So yeah, that that's kind of an interesting one. The other one I was talking about was uh, the Pantera Hell Yeah uh, difference in, in the first round, and you didn't think there was anything about that one, right? I, that I mean, Pantera would be needlessly shat upon. I would think that would be a lock. Well, Pantera, I don't think people really give Pantera a bunch of crap. I really, I just don't think they do. Uh, I well, no, I say that, and I say that for when I'm sitting here in Texas. So when you're sitting from this perspective, you don't see a whole bunch of it. But I think a lot of people outside of Texas view Pantera is um as something completely different than what we do down here because to us it's you know the the dime is Jesus and that's how it is so deal with it and right. it's going it, to it, that matchup doesn't seem what what interests me to the matchup between the two of them is is that you still have you you've got the in your mind what is Pantera and what they did for metal in the 90s versus what the remnants of Pantera and what's left of them, you know, with being Vinnie Paul and what terrible things they did in the two thousands. And you can't, it's hard for a lot of people to reconcile the fact that it's Vinnie Paul doing something that bad. It's like, Oh, <laughs> like, dude, dude, it's so bad. It's like, <laughs> Like what have you done? What have you so done? How is that not competitive? You know, I no. Mean, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a. I think it's actually really, really competitive. I, but I think Pantera is gonna is needlessly much more needlessly than anybody else. But you know, I don't know. That's just a matter of opinion. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. And I think once we get start breaking it down, we're gonna be able to talk about this thing. Like forever. This is you're picking like a, a, a like a, making a guesstimate right now or a, a prediction as to like who's going to go head to head in the, in the uh, finals. You know, I need to sit down and write this out. I need to write them all out and go for it because I started to kind of pick through them, and and I couldn't really. I I, I don't know. I think I think Ghost is going to win. I have this no. thing. I, I have this thing that Ghost is going to win because I think that there are enough people. Uh, 
Oh. I think enough people think that they are totally the best things in sliced bread that, that they are going to be the one that comes out on top of this thing. No way. Yep, I no. really do. No. I, how in the world would they beat OTEP? E- either that or um, e- either that, or maybe asking Alexandria fans are going to like come together. <laughs> the, uh, Volbeat, maybe. Uh, but I really, I really got a feeling that Ghost is probably going to come out on top on this one. See, that's the only stuff. That's the only thing that that scares me is that there's going to be some ballad stuffing here. No, you know what I mean. Well, I don't know how they're going to do. Uh, actually, I don't know what they're how. In the I will find out some more details this week as it all comes comes down. But take a look at it yourself and and see what you think about it because it's. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays out. And it's a it's a fun little you know process to run through. And we're going to talk about it some more as as we go on on the podcast because I just can't avoid it. It's just fun. Yeah. It's just a hell of a lot of fun. It's a great topic. But we got to wrap this thing up, man. Next week on the show, we are going to be uh, doing the second part of uh, the Luke LeMay interview. You heard part one with uh, with Axel. Next week, part two, we are going to be uh, be giving you the rest of it because he went on for, like I said, almost an hour talking uh, talking about all kinds of stuff about uh, writing the record and everything else. So that's going to be on next week's show. Make sure that you su- subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Metal Sucks. You will find... Uh, Chuck and Godless, you will find us on there, and you can uh, subscribe to us and download the podcast every week right to your iPhone, smartphone, device, and all that stuff. And uh, check us out every week. We are posted on Monday. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast. I am Chickity Chuck. I'm Godless. And how about we, you know what? Let's wrap this thing up with one of the worst songs off this bracket, man. I love alcohol and ass. Oh, Yeah, I'm going to torture you. You know it. Yeah, baby. A little bit of sunshine, a little bit of booze, a little bit of me, and a little bit of you, a little bit country, a little bit of blues, a little slice of heaven, and a little piece of you, come on, alcohol and ass. Another drink in my glass Alcohol and ass Alcohol and
Split me right in two Now about the love